This is wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you paused and I was like, I'm gonna jump in. I'm paying attention. This is Marissa. This is Denise. That's not Marissa. <laughs> and um, this is. Are you there, God? It's us, the book bitches. And we're here to talk about um the book that we're re-recording on because our first one was so sad. It was sad. It was so boring. It was like there was no enthusiasm. I was sweaty. What? It was so hot that day. Do you remember? That's why I like couldn't get into it. <laughs> no, I remember like wanting to cry though. <laughs> Maybe we should like move out to record. Like if you felt like you were under duress. In the middle of recording, I remember thinking I hate this so much I want to die. <laughs> um, next time, voice that. <laughs> we can just I mean, it was really clear in the first recording. Yeah, we recorded. Oh, I'm sorry. The book that we are recording for today is Baby Teeth, which is a book that we recorded for like a month ago. It was going to come out on time. Yeah, and then I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is a piece of shit. I cannot put this, I like can't put this out into the world and feel good about it. Mm-mm. It was it boring. So boring. And then also very disconnected in general. Um, so we are here to... I can't promise more connected, but I can promise verb. <laughs> I can promise some enthusiasm. Yeah. I can't promise good content, but I can promise like a little, a little like pizzazz. I can't promise analysis, but I can promise I'm here. <laughs> I, well, we were there last time. Oh my God. Yeah, it was, so, and then I like tried to salvage it because I was like, well, what if I just cut out, there was like one really long part. I don't know what the fuck we were talking about, but I was like, damn, this is monotonous. <laughs> like even I was like, shit, dude. Like, <laughs> anyways, okay. So today we're talking about baby teeth and I just wanted to say, how are you guys? It's been like two months. I hope yeah. all is well. We're good. I bleached my eyebrows. That's her big development. Yeah. She's bleaching her eyebrows. I don't have a lot. Jeez. You have to say it. That's her big development. Okay, bitch. <laughs> that is my big development. So what? Everyone's supposed to always be changing and having things happen. Oh my God. Every day, like I get up in the morning. <laughs> Are you okay? No. Every day I get up in the morning, I go, oh my God, things to do again. Dude, there was, like, one day... Like, what? No. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I'm like, I have to fill up my fucking water bottle again. (laughs) Every... No, that's how I feel about feeding the dogs. It's bad because that's, like, something they need to live. But every day... I need water to live. Oh, my God. You guys need to eat again? Us literally every night we're like, what are we going to make for dinner? Fuck. Oh, we've been so bad. We have not. I haven't cooked a single thing. We made spaghetti this week. Oh, I did make spaghetti. Didn't Well, I don't know why I said we, because I had nothing to do with that. No. Shh. Denise made spaghetti. And I stayed in my room. You did. Like a little... Like a little goblin. (laughs) And then she brought me the spaghetti and I was like, it's ready. Like I didn't know it was going to be ready. No, she literally... You gasped. Anyways. Hey, guys. So we are reviewing the book Baby Teeth today. It was a... Do you want to talk about... What you've been reading before that? It was a little horror novel. I've been reading a lot of horror lately. I don't want to talk about any of it because, oh my god. That oh was my god, is it a on secret? Our, on our last recording, you went on and on and on about a book that you read. And then I remember I tried to cut you <laughs> off and you were like. 
You're like, Marissa, if I can't talk about things on the podcast, then I, I just won't. I can't. Like, you have like talked for like 10 minutes. Here's the thing. Book. You were just being a giant bitch last time we recorded, though. And that was the big problem. Okay. That's true. But you did really talk in a monotonous tone about something. <laughs> we're not doing that this time. Um, I have been reading because we have been off of school for the last three weeks. So I've been reading. I've been also watching a lot of TV. And we watched the new season of The Boys. Engaging in a lot of vices. So with that being said, one of the books that I read that really stood out to me was The Exquisite Corpse, which is body horror. Um, Body horror is disgusting. We love, and this one is really good though. Um, that was so, like, that okay, was, but the one that's thing, a really oh, extreme version of body horror, okay. by the way. So, me and Denise have been watching a couple different things. So, Exquisite Corpse was originally w- written by a woman named Poppy Z, some, right? right? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she writes it from the perspective of a gay man. But while I was reading it, because I don't normally pay attention to authors. While I was reading it, I was like, oh my god, who wrote this? Because I was like, they did a really good job of, like, the internal thought of this killer mm-hmm. who was a gay man. And I look at it and I was like, oh, it's a lady. And then <laughs> we looked into her background and later in life transitioned to a trans man. I don't know his name. We don't remember his name. I, I, it's like something like Christopher. It's something normal. But then it was like one of those things where it was like, oh, Yeah. Feels right. Tracks, tracks, tracks was how the book was so natural. It didn't feel unnatural. But then we watched, we watched Head the Wait, lesbian. No, we watched oh, Hedwig and, and the an Angry Inch, Inch which is very about, good rock musical. Um, yeah. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> she say she doesn't tell you what it's about. She just says, "Well, it's a rock musical," and it's like, okay, we get it. But like, what is it about? It's a rock Anyways, musical. Anyways, so it's about this person who's kind of stuck between genders because of like a flopped surgery. Gender and so surgery. gender surgery and so because of it they're kind of living between two worlds their identity is unclear well the guy that that did it he was also in shrill later came out as non-binary yeah he came out as non-binary and they this came year. out as non-binary this year his and so but then also looking at hedwig and the angry and you're like yeah that tracks because he wrote the, he wrote it Right, and then we watched this movie, this neo-noir lesbian, lesbian film called Bound by the Wachowski sisters. But originally, were when they directed it, the Wachowski brothers. Yeah, because they did the Matrix. Because they transitioned. If you guys don't know, if you don't know, they they're, both, they're trans both women, trans women, trans women who are also lesbians. So when you watch Bound and you're like, "Oh, two men directed this," because it's like. It's a very a good lesbian, lesbian film, film. but it's, like, like, it's not male gazy at all. It's also very like, it's it's pretty sexy. It's really horny, but it's also really good. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. So then when you watch it, and then you see at the end it with the Wachowski brothers, you're like, what? But then I think about the fact the Matrix, like the romance in the first Matrix is just so good. It's like actually very romantic and also sci-fi. And it just feels right. It feels right that later on they were trans. They're trans women that also are lesbians. Like that tracks with me. So, anyways, um, all that to say is that (laughs) sometimes your identity comes out through your art. (laughs) Sometimes it like peeks its head out, and then you're like, "Hey, you stop that right now." Yeah, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. 
rock musical <laughs> stuff with rock musical. It's very good. It's a very interesting, it's a very queer movie, and I think it talks about gender in a way that a lot of times gender is not talked about. It's just very fluid. Well, it was also like gender is a performance. Oh, yeah, and that's also not something gender that Gender is like, he, like, he, if I'm not incorrect, Hedwig didn't identify as, like, a man or a woman. I don't think Hedwig was ever really given pronouns, like, no, officially but, in the film. So then when you watch Hedwig performing as a woman, it's very much a performance. Like, from the mm-hmm. way they act, to the way they, like, dress. Like, it's, you can tell, like, they're more comfortable, like, dressing as a woman, but they also don't necessarily only identify as that. It's very interesting um, the music is so, so, so fucking good in it. Um, whoever costumed Hedwig and did the makeup, fucking phenomenal. Anyway, so we don't want to get into the rock musical too much. Rock musical? I like, you know what I like saying it? Because it just rolls off the tongue. Rock musical. Anyways, uh, you can okay. say, you can say one book that you read and no, you cannot expound on it for 10 minutes. It's like, have I ever read a book? <laughs> oh my god. I haven't been reading that much. Um, so I don't have... Oh no, uh, we read this... We both read this great book called Tell Me I'm Worthless. Oh yeah. So good. The political commentary in there is as subtle as a wrecking ball, but it's a very good horror novel. Like when you watch The Boys and it's like, yeah, oh conservatives suck ass. The bo- the voice is so so good, but yeah, the political commentary is also not subtle at all. So tell me I'm worthless. It's very good. Look it up. That one also talks about um, queerness, queer horror novel. Love it. So good. Yeah, that one was. It's 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 very much Shirley Jackson's version of a haunted house too. Yeah, I read that one in Which... one sitting, and it was. It was fast enough to read in one sitting. It's a couple hundred pages, but I read it from like 8 p.m. to like 3 a.m. With some breaks. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I couldn't sleep was the issue. And then I started reading it. So anyways, so we're going to talk about baby teeth. And I've only been reading horror lately with the exception of... The thing I'm other book that I'm reading that I don't think is horror, it's more like apocalyptic. But what is that? It's called Severance and it's about people. It's obviously based to some extent on like the pandemic. It's like people start getting sick with this illness and like they're not zombies. And they're not trying to eat these people, but they're just ill, and they're basically not human. Huh. Yeah. So, anyways. I need... Here's my thing. I'm only, like, 25 pages in, so I can't give you anything else. No, what I was going to say is there's a lot of people who are, like, riffing off COVID right now in their media and art, because I think they want it to be. Obviously, it's a big global event. Why is some of it so bad? Yeah, it's not natural... Yet. It's not really organic also because we're not really out of COVID. Like, it's still happening. No, yeah. It's still, it's still just, it's like, like, everything that I've seen about it, it's kind of weird when they bring it up because you're like, but we're currently kind of living this reality. 
So to see it in media as some event that hasn't really passed, it's unusual. Yeah, it's like, what year is this taking place in? Yeah, because I'm like, this could be now. I know people are like, oh, well, you know, the depiction of masks, that would be more like 2021. Bitch, we're about to be back in that reality because the numbers are still rising. And I'm not trying to get sick. Did you see the new variant, what the, like, leading symptoms are? Oh, my God, what? It, it wasn't anything bad. It was just, like, this new variant's, like, sore throat, mostly, mm-hmm. and, like, a hoarse voice or some shit like that. Like, something really mild. Like, something really strange, though. Like, it's no longer, like, the fever. It's nice that it's getting milder, I guess. This... Yeah. Now we're worried about monkeypox. Bitch, now I'm worried about everything else that's happening in the world. Oh my god. Literally. <laughs> Our rights being rolled back? No, thank you. Oh my god. Uh, COVID left just in time for the, the abort- government abortion to issue. implode. The- oh my god, but also not Kylie Jenner with her fucking jet. Three minutes. That makes me so angry. Okay, so I don't know if you guys have seen this thing. I don't pay attention to celebrity news, but when celebrity news intersects with, like, world news, then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So, this TikToker basically runs this account that's, like, tracks, like, celebrity jets and where they fly to. And he noted that Kylie Jenner makes this flight from, it's, like, Camarillo, California to... Van Nuys? Nuys? Van Nuys? How do you say it? I have no idea, actually. Van Van News, right? Van News. Fuck, dude, we're so not cool. It's Van Van News. V A N N U Y S. Somebody tell us how to say it. Anyways, Van Nuys. Van Nuys. Oh no, I'm making that up. (laughs) (laughs) So she makes this flight, and it's literally okay. So it's a forty-minute drive. It's a forty-minute drive. It's a three-minute flight. Wait, no, but I but have information about that. But then somebody pointed out. Wait, somebody pointed out that in the time that it would take to like prep the jet to actually like fly, it's about the same as just you fucking driving the forty minutes. I have information about that. They're claiming. People are claiming. I haven't substantiated any of it. People okay. are claiming that it's because her jet is stored in one place, and then in order for her to get on it, they move it. To the other place because she could, you know, never be bothered to just travel. She's to traveling. Jet is hangered. No, she's traveling within hours of the jet. Just fucking drive. No. That doesn't make me feel no. bad. Where was her jet? That no, that doesn't make sense. So people were like, "Well, it was stored there," and I was like, "How is she that still have to take her fucking jet? She could have just driven forty minutes to her jet." People are stupid. I guess my question, this is actually my actual question. So where she's So they're saying that she has to take it back because it has to go back to the storage facility that so it sits it, in. That's what that three minute trip is for. I don't defend celebrity plane flights anyways. Okay, listen. Celebrities don't need fucking no, private jets. I have a question. Fly coach. How far away for is her house from the airport? Like don't they live in Calabasas? I don't know where the fuck these people live. <laughs> I don't know about I don't know enough about the Jenners to make any more about this, but I do know in general, celebrities and private jets—they're my least favorite genre of things in climate, in like the climate issue. 
And I feel like many people have made the good point of being like, hey, can you stop putting the burden of, like, climate change on, on like, regular people? people? And I think, like, that's, okay, there's some things, like, sustainable things that we can do. But at the same time, when we have Kylie Jenner, who just has her private jet for fucking whatever, all of them really all have private, private planes, if I'm not mistaken. Why don't they just share a family plane? Here's my thing. How many fucking destinations do you need to go to? Here's my thing. What I think people have issue conceptualizing is how much impact one plane ride has on the environment. Right. Because the amount of shit that gets pushed into the air just for this three minute plane ride is insane. Like the carbon footprint of that is insane. Well, it was somebody numerically compared it to like how many emissions cars put out. And it just like it didn't make any sense. It was like, babe, just drive. Right. I don't know. I can't get into this anymore because it pisses me off. But um You know what actually should piss you off that no one's talking about? Is once that Jeffrey Epstein shit like lost its luster in the media. No one's talking about it anymore. And it's actually insane. I saw this TikToker. She was like, it's just crazy to me because this is a legitimate conspiracy that came true. This one man had kids trafficked on his private island. Oh, I know. With a ring of celebrities around him. And no one's talking about it because no one wants to think like, oh, my favorite celebrity, Bill Gates, was his friend. What do you mean? I feel like and it's Bill also Gates wrote hard. A weird, no, Bill Gates wrote a weird email where he was like, he has a lifestyle that I don't know about. Wait, so you do know about That's the thing. And she was like, and she was like, it's just insane to me that people are acting like they didn't know he was doing this. It's, you know, it's hard because when you think about it, people with that much money exist on like a different, re- they exist on a different plane of reality. Yeah, like I'm is. coming to realize it. There was something that I saw the other day. Oh, no, Kylie Jenner cutting the cucumber. Remember how Kendall. F- oh, Kendall. Yeah, how whatever, fuck whatever that was. But I literally, like, was looking at it, and I was like, you don't ever cut your own cucumber. There's no way. There People cut your cucumbers for you. But, like, literally, I was like, you exist on a plane of reality where you never have to cut a cucumber. I was just hoping she would just stick it in her mouth and eat it like that. <laughs> just, like, chomping it like a horse. <laughs> That's stupid. She ate it the skin and all. She ate it. She was cutting it so fucked up. It was like, what is happening? Here's the thing. It's not like I'm a vegetable cutter. You just we're rich enough that we're eating out every day. <laughs> but like, do you like that? <laughs> you know, I was like, call me fat lap. <laughs> sounds like it's coming. I your double it comes, it comes it comes straight from my chest with the way that it comes out. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Relax. More. Sometimes it'll pop out like if I'm hanging out with a guy and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you put the fat laugh back. <laughs> I have like a high-pitched witch laugh, especially when something takes me off guard. And it's like I shriek momentarily. And I'm sure people think I'm like My customer on, service laugh awful. is like hey. <laughs> you, you heard my customer service laugh and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I've, never heard, I've never heard someone laugh like and actually say <laughs> Marcel literally does. You know, I usually have to you know, do, do it. it. Do it. 
Do you guys hear it? She's literally saying he 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 like it's insane. That's my customer service laugh though. It's for the people. Um <laughs> it's like to your audience. As far as those bitches know, I've never laughed in either way. Um sometimes I'll like when a customer's rude to me, I switch out of my customer service voice real fast. You get my regular bitchy voice. Oh, you needed a package? Okay, give me one second. That's all I'll say. It. <laughs> you sound like a thug. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to <Tori. laughs> Like, really mean. Anyways, okay. Figure out some That's like that one. Okay, okay. <laughs> she's, she's out of it. Okay. Okay, so, baby teeth. It's an exceptional novel. It's actually quite short. It's like less than 200 pages, right? <laughs> let, me, let me pull up my Google. Dude, I don't know. It's like a relatively short. Let me pull up my Google. Like, you can Google that. I want Why are you saying it's I'm just I'm going to say, let me pull up my calculator. <laughs> Why would that even make sense? So stupid. No. Okay, so Denise is going to pull out her calculator, or maybe her Google. And the I'm book is like... Dog. Look how cute she looks. <laughs> the book is a couple hundred pages. It's a really short read. And it's actually really, really intriguing. Um, because the plot itself is really interesting. So Oh no way. It's intriguing because the plot intriguing. is interesting. <laughs> Dude, I'm not <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm not sober right now. Can you like lay off my case? I'm trying my best. Lay off my, your case. It's not the same. <laughs> what is it? I was Get gonna off? say lay off my back. <laughs> just lay off. Get off my jog right now. <laughs> Hop off of it. So, anyways, so this is a really good book. I am gonna keep well, saying no, that because I believe you. <laughs> you have... I keep trying to convince you guys. Like, it's a really good. <laughs> it's like for real. We're not gonna tell you anything about it, but it's good. Damn it. So. The book is a psychological thriller. Horror? Horror. And it's about this little girl, Hannah, and the relationship with her and her mom. What is her name? Suzette. Suzette. And <laughs> Suzette and Hannah do not get along. That's the main. I just, you need to get that. At no point in the novel do they ever really get along. There's like one moment. And the rest of it's this feud between them basically for the husband slash dad's attention. And I would say that's probably the best way to boo a man's attention. Not a man. That's the best way to summarize the general plot. And so what we start with is this scene of Hannah and Suzette. What? This is when Hannah punches the baby. (laughs) (laughs) So we have this fuck. (laughs) So we have this scene of Hannah, they're at the doctor. Um, is it Suzette's doctor appointment? Yes. Suzette has Crohn's disease. Crohn's, I was like Crohn's disease, right? She has Crohn's disease. <laughs> Do you know anything about what's in this book? It's so good. Literally, I'm not sober. So she has Crohn's disease. She has a pretty continuous issue 
It's what very serious. It's honestly very serious. It's a chronic illness. It's a chronic illness. But also, not only is it like... Not you, just <laughs> echoing me. It's a chronic illness. But it's also something that it's like... And you see this more as we go further into the novel, where it's like, she probably shouldn't have had a kid. Because it may it worsened her condition, if anything. Yeah, so she... And it's, it, it's so bad. It's such a deep disability in her life that... Not deep disability. What am I trying to say? It's a disability that goes, that penetrates deep into every aspect of her life. Like, you know how some people mm-hmm. may have, like, issues with Crohn's or IBS? Yeah. Um, and those don't necessarily They might not be as severe. Might, they're not as severe. Hers is very, very severe, severe. And a lot of that had to do with how little it was treated originally. But anyways, we'll get into that. So the novel starts with she's at the doctor's kind of going through it's pretty routine exam um, for her Crohn's disease. And she recently had a surgery. She recently had a surgery to help with it. It is helping to check up whatever. It's not really that important. The important part is they get in the car and she's talking to Hana and she's like, well, since you were so good, we can go to Trader Joe's and get a treat because this bitch only eats healthy. Her treats are garbage garbage she was like we can get yogurt blueberries i was like i thought was it yogurt blueberries or dark chocolate blueberries either way it's like a treat you get when you like hate yourself (laughs) when you're like i guess i'll be healthy today actually i could fuck up a dark chocolate blueberry a (laughs) blueberry so anyways so (laughs) genuinely it's scams because i don't think i've ever had blueberries like a snack. I don't love them by themselves. Like, in they're chocolate. very tart. In chocolate, they're good because it kind of cuts like the tart of the blueberry. I don't also like the texture of blueberries. My dog is like straight <laughs> snoring right now. <laughs> so they go to Trader Joe's. While they're there, Hannah's getting pissed because there's another. There's a baby there. <laughs> Hannah's like, how old is she? <laughs> She's seven. She's seven. She's a freak. Anyways, she's so. Freak. I love her. She's so weird. She's okay. There's a baby. It's screaming. It's tantruming. She's someone who does not like a lot of environment changes or people. People in general. She, no. So she like this baby is crying. So she goes like freak ass behavior and stands right in front of where the baby is crying in the shopping cart. And Hannah and Suzette's like Hannah, what the fuck. Leave the baby alone. And then the baby's like flailing because it's tantruming and it like smacks Hana. <laughs> so she punches it. She literally punches the baby in the head. <laughs> and that, okay, this opening scene. Are we supposed to be horrified because I thought it was like kind of funny? <laughs> this opening scene is supposed to give you a good idea of like Hana. Unpredictable. We'll literally just haul the fuck Answer off. Answer my question. Hey, what about? The- was it funny or horrifying? Was, I think, I think it's it was funny. supposed to be. A little more horrifying. Well, she, bitch, she punched a baby. But, like, she punched a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Well, the baby wasn't, like, really injured. She punched it, like... like in, she just punched it a little bit. So, anyways. So... So, the idea of that first scene is just so you get the idea that she is uncontrollable. Suzette... Of course. At her wit's end. At her wit's end, has like a meltdown in the store. He's like, get the fuck in the car, Hana, and let's just get your treats and go. So she gets her treats. They go back to the car. Um, 
And they go home, and Suzette in the car is basically like, I'm fed up with your shit. Suzette was like, I bought you those treats because you're good at the doctor. And I was like, she should not get any treats. She just punched a baby. But like, <laughs> and as funny as that was, she just punched the baby. So she's then, like, I just, in, in her head, she's like, I don't want to deal with her anymore, like, with tantrums. So she's going to get this treat. And I was like, babe, she just punched a baby. <laughs> as so hilarious they as go home, was. and as the scene is unfolding... You can see Hannah doesn't go to school. She's homeschooled by Suzette. She's nonverbal. She's nonverbal. So Suzette's kind of talking to her. And if anything, every time Suzette talks to her, she on purpose needles Hannah. Which is kind of like, girl, that's your kid. Why do you got beef with your kid? There's obviously like a seven-year-old. Like, you want to square up with a seven-year-old in the car. So she's, she just is like, Every time she talks to her, she's very smug, very condescending. So, Hana... Which is a really weird attitude to have toward a literal Well, child. then you see later on, and you understand the attitude for it. The dad comes home. She tries to tell him, like, hey, what the fuck? Hana punched a baby today. <laughs> and he's just like, not my kid. And literally, it's just like, Hana, you can't hit people. No. Come here. Give me a hug. So, there's no real consequence. Say that again. Come, Come here. here. Give, give me a, a hug. hug. So there's no real consequence. The dad barely believes the mom. He kind of, he is one to place blame on situations, other people. Frankly, if he could have blamed that baby, he would have. Literally, he would have been like, why the fuck the baby was crying? Because it's a baby, man. So, you can already sense the dynamic. The author does a really good job, I think, in the first 15 pages of giving you the dynamic. Suzette has a problem with Hana. Hana has a problem with Suzette. Dad, oblivious to everything. Suzette's treatment of Hana stems from just resentment towards Hana play acting for the dad because that's what it is. Because Hana acts well for the dad. But then imagine having beef with your kid. Can I finish my sentence? But also amazing. Um, Hana's resentment of Suzette is because honestly she's a child and... Well, she also thinks her mom's fake as fuck. Because she has that one is. way that she acts with the dad, with her husband, mm-hmm. and then another way that she acts with Hana. And Hana's thought is, well, you should just be honest and act like that all the time then. I, mean, I do think that's funny because Hana is equally as fake because Hana also acts one way with the dad and one way with the mom. Actually, okay, Hana doesn't see it that way. Okay, yeah, I know, but why? Because she thinks the mom deserves it. Right. That's fair. And honestly, she also doesn't act very different with the dad, like, in terms of how she treats the mom. She mostly just ignores Suzette. Right. And anyways. So the overarching thing with this book is it's talking about mother-daughter relationships and not just Hannah and her mom, Suzette, but Suzette and her her mom. mom. Because Suzette's disability played a large part in how she feels towards her mom because her mom was a crucial reason why her disability took over so much of her life because the mom didn't feel the need to get her treated until it got so serious she needed surgery. Um, The mom did get her the surgery, but still kind of relied so much on Suzette um, and never really acted like the parent, even when Suzette clearly needed it as someone with a very serious disability. Right. And in turn... 
not the disability and her treatment of Suzette made Suzette like this very naive and like hampered arrested development type of well, person. Well, you also get the idea with Suzette, she wasn't really an adult until she met her husband. Because right. her husband was an adult and he had all this experience and he was her first boyfriend. And he was the one that showed her like, oh, life could be different. So you get the motivation behind her wanting her husband to be her husband. Mm-hmm. And having this weird competition with Hana, because as far as she was concerned, the only reason why she has the life that she has is because her husband mm-hmm. made it that way for her. Right. So, so you, you get a lot out of the perspective of this mother and daughter dynamic, because you have it between Suzette and her mother, which her mother, very neglectful, and Suzette, who in the extreme opposite is on Hana's dock all the time. She's a helicopter parent, but it but then so feels weird. Rejected. She's at the same time so neglectful of certain aspects of who Hana is because she doesn't know how to deal with it. And in that way, she's so much like her mom. Mm-hmm. Because the thing with Hana is Hana is... Well, pause. We'll get there. Okay. So the catalyst for this book, after setting that initial scene in the first couple pages... The catalyst for this book is that Suzette is pushing to have Hana in school. She doesn't want to homeschool her anymore. Part of the reason is that Suzette wants to be her own person that doesn't have to watch over this awful child every day. And I say that like as like nicely as possible, but Hana's awful. And it's clear that Hana isn't someone that needs to be placed in a regular school. She needs to be in a specialized school that de- deals with like aggressive behaviors. And so Suzette, at this point in the novel, and this is the beginning of what I would say the plot is, is trying to get Hana to get placed into a school. Part of the... And simultaneously get her husband to recognize who Hana actually is. Right. So part of her issue with getting Hana into school is that the husband thinks it's literally everybody else's fault. Well, Hana doesn't do well at this school because they this did this. This man's one personality trait so was to be obtuse at Swedish. And, and those were his two things. denial the entire oh time. So his whole thing is like, well, all these schools we've sent her to have been a waste of time because they didn't know how to deal with her. And it's everybody else's fault, but it's not Hana's. And here's the thing. They kept sending her to like expensive private schools, not specialized behavior schools. Private schools. Oh, they didn't know how to deal with her. No shit, dude, because she's out here punching babies in Trader Joe's with no provocation. What do you think she's doing at these schools? An example of something she did at these schools was she set fire in a trash can. Hana's issue is that she's smart, and she's very smart. I would say she's genius level. Yeah. For a seven-year-old, at least. She's very smart, and she's kind of mean. She really, she's cunning. She doesn't relate to other people at all. And that's why she's so aggressive. Because she doesn't see other people as people. Yeah. And that's something that you see in the novel. Like, well, and then Hana has her own seven-year-old logic. But because she's nonverbal, part of her issue is that she's nonverbal. So she's not able to express. So, like, you later on see the fire in the trash can thing. Well, there was ants. There was, like, an ant's nest. And so she was trying to help by burning the ant's nest. Now, was because that that's what her dad showed her. In a violent way to go about it, probably. But she tried to help the school by doing that. And they didn't realize that she already had behavior issues. And then this is the last straw for the school that she was kicked out of. And that's not to justify all of her behavior. Because, 
that I would say about at least 60% of her behavior is just her being aggressive towards other people because right. they've annoyed her. So we get to this point of Suzette's like, I want my life back. This bitch needs to be in school for like six hours a day. And again, Suzette also has never really had a life. Yeah. I mean, for the brief time, for the brief time her, her and her husband, husband were, just were just them. them. And then she got pregnant. And then she felt like her life was once again ripped out from her under her right so fair you understand her perspective i think suzette fucking sucks i'm not gonna lie to you i think but here's my thing i think what this book does is it very much makes it clear that if you do dislike suzette it's not because you're one of those people that blames moms for everything no it's because suzette deserves it <laughs> suzette's a fucking rancid bitch <laughs> she's a fucking rancid ass person yeah so Okay, so basically the novel, it escalates from here because Hannah doesn't want to go back to school. And the series of behaviors that come from this are so this, But I think this is where we get our secondary plot point that's pushing the novel forward, which is from Hannah's perspective. She's trying to fucking kill her mom at this point. Yeah. Legitimately kill no, her. No, she's like, she's got to be dead dead because like she, not like i don't i'm not disappeared like dead yeah she doesn't have like a seven-year-old's idea of what death is she has a legitimate idea of death and she wants her mom to be fucking dead because she just wants to die and so i think this also plays into that like electro complex in a really good way oh yeah so then you get this these events that happen that it's mostly hannah just trying to kill her mom and her mom's trying to fend her off. And, and this honestly, is the horror aspect of this Suzette book, Because Suzette was so weak. She pissed me off. So one of my favorite events of this is that Hana pretends that she is a witch. Now remember, she's nonverbal. She's willingly nonverbal, though. So at some point, shortly after Suzette's like, bitch, gotta be, you need to go back to school. And they're interviewing in all these other places. Hannah introduces her witch voice. Is it is her name Anne Marie? Anna Marie? Something like that. And she introduces she has this, a French accent. this French witch with a French accent, who is actually a real witch. She found her on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, that she talks to Suzette with this witch voice. And accent. it freaks the fuck <laughs> out of Suzette because it comes out of nowhere. Like they are arguing about something. Suzette's yelling at her. All of a sudden, this little girl, nonverbal this whole time, whips out this French witch voice and is like, I'm a fucking witch. <laughs> and Suzette's like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck? Locks herself in her bedroom and just leaves Hana out Which there. Which I thought your kid was possessed by I would have, I would have drop kicked her. Like, I would have, like... <laughs> You think I'm a drop? I'm I gonna... don't think Suzette's reaction to lock herself in her bedroom was wrong. <laughs> I would have kicked her and locked myself. Like, locked myself. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I would have, I would have been like, who the fuck are you? So fair, it's 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 chilling. No, at some point Suzette collects herself and is just like, okay, obviously Hannah's putting this on. Because she's Suzette knows so she's not very smart. Stupid. She's just like, you know, it's one of those things. Your reaction? Oh my god. Because, okay, wait, hold on. So I had been doing a substance, and I literally saw a curtain wave, and for some reason, in my mind's eye, I saw the clown it jump out of the clown. Like, it looked like a clown it. Like, the shape 
I don't know how else to describe it. Anyway, so I scared myself. I, like, did a little, like, little scream, and then I was like, well, it's just a curtain. So it was one of those things. That's how I see, like, Suzette's reaction initially. I don't want to get into it. Suzette's initial reaction where it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, that makes no fucking sense, and it's not rational at all. Yeah. But then she collects herself, and she's like, okay, obviously she's making up this little witch voice. Mm. So you have her make up this little witch voice, and eventually... They get her placed into a school. Right. And while this is happening, Hana has been doing little acts of mischief to try and fucking kill her mom. Replacing the mom's medication. So, and again, the mom just had surgery for her Crohn's disease. So she replaced this medication that was helping control her bowel movements with flour. Because again, she's a very smart seven-year-old. And so Suzette has a panic moment where she's like, fuck, this medication's not working. Oh my god. I just and she's already surgery. been through this with this, this is her. This is her second surgery. Her first one went so badly that she's still, she has a lot of medical trauma with that. So yeah. that actually sends her to a legitimate tailspin. Does it kill her? No. Not like how Hannah was hoping it would. Well, she gets the pills replaced and all as well. Right. So, but so while this is happening, again, we're progressing the book. As you are thinking about this, you're like, right, because Hana is seven years old, and as as smart as she is, there's only she has a seven year old limitation on what the world is Mm -hmm. or how it works. So at this point, we're doing. She's go. She's in school. The dad's still an idiot. The school is like it is more specialized for behaviors. But the issue with Hana is not that she has these behaviors. The issue is that she knows how to have behaviors. Like, she's smart enough to have them. Does that make sense? Like, she's willingly nonverbal. Yes. Yeah. So it's not... Like, the school is for kids who maybe are, like, severely autistic who are nonverbal. Right. Not for Hana, who's just too smart and is gaming the system and is on purpose doing these A things. Asshole. Yeah, literally. Now, to some extent, you understand that there's something wrong with Hana, because when you go back into her perspective, because this novel switches from Suzette's perspective to Hana's perspective every couple chapters, you understand that there's something wrong with Hana and how she views the world. And it it does get brought up by the fact, and I'm going to just skip ahead a little bit just to say this. She, they do end up taking her eventually to a therapist, which I am like, why the fuck did you guys wait this long? But whatever. When they do eventually take her, the therapist is like, I mean, she could be a sociopath. She could have autism. Well, we get to just a number of things that could be going on with her. I mean, we could skip back to the event that caused that. Yeah. Because this is where we're at in the novel anyways. Yeah. At this point in the novel, we've been seeing... We still have Oblivious Dad. Oblivious Dad. not helpful at all. And then this is the second event that I would say kind of kicks off the rest of the drama. Right. Because this part of the novel, it kind of kicks it into high gear, where now there's just things happening all the time. And so this part of the novel, she's at the school, she's finally been placed, they accepted her or whatever, she's been there for a couple weeks, and she... Gets put into what is like her time. What's like a sensory room? She gets put into a sensory room a lot because she is nonverbal and also very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And so, if you've ever worked with, which I do, I work with autistic kids. Sensory rooms are really good for them when they're overstimulated. So, not knowing what Hana is or what her deal is, they put her in the sensory room for short periods of time a lot. And so, she gets stuck in the sensory room. 
There's another little boy in there that wears a helmet because he's prone to banging his head. It's kind of the idea that he might be autistic, but he might just have, you know, whatever. And so there's an aide in there with them. Well, he's asking for this book that he had. No, Ohana asks. Ohana asks for this book that she had. Because she planned this. Right. So then the aide's like, okay, just one second. Fuck, I don't. But you're, you know, anybody that, this is my thing too. Anybody that works with kids knows that you really shouldn't leave anybody alone. Yeah, but two weeks, she's she's been biding her time. She did not have any behaviors at the school yet. Other than just general. Yeah. So, of course, this aide was like, I can have my guard down around Helmet Kid, who, yeah, he's just chilling. And Hana, who's been pretty good so far. Yeah. So, aide runs out of the room going to get this book. Hana starts to, uh, bark. She takes off. I was the trying kid's to think helmet. of another word. When it's like you're doing something to bother someone, she starts to agitate him. Oh, okay. Because she starts to bark at him, and he starts getting like, like, upset because it's loud and it's a dog. So and then she takes off his. Helmet so she takes off his helmet and keeps and keeps barking him. at him. And in response, he starts banging his head on the concrete wall. And so by the time the aide gets back, this kid has knocked himself basically into a concussion and he's bloody. And so Hana's sitting there like, hmm, that's what I did. And when the school calls the fucking dad and Suzette, whom the dad's name I don't ever remember because it's not important. He's an idiot. So (laughs) the dad's like, well, why, why were they alone? No, sir. Be worried about why your kid on purpose Fair drove of, someone. Here's my thing. I feel like Fair that's a point. question for the kid who knocked himself unconscious. Right. His parents. If his parents asked that. Why were they left alone? Hannah's parents. I'm like, bitch, I don't know. Why did your kid do this? What the fuck are you talking Literally. about? Literally. Like, what do you mean? Crazy behavior. Don't talk to us about our staffing issues. <laughs> Literally, your kid was the one. Anyways, so he's like, well, oh, oh, I don't understand. She's never been aggressive. And Suzette's sitting there like, she's always aggressive. What the hell are you talking about? She's like, bro, she doesn't act like this with you. And so then and she's he's like, like literally, I'm Swedish and I, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Literally, I just, I so keep like, up the Swedish the, thing. He yells at the school staff. He's like, fuck you guys. We don't want her here anyways. Because obviously she's earned an expulsion. Like, they're not asking her back. He's like, well, I quit before you can fire me. So they leave and she's trying to tell him like, she doesn't act like this around you. And he's like, I can't believe that. Not my daughter. And you're like, dude, what the fuck? And again, overwhelming evidence at this point in the novel. Here's the thing. The funniest part of this novel and funny, not haha, funny, weird (laughs) is that they're fighting for this man. They're fighting. Oh, they're just, a they're fighting, guy. And he's literally his two fucking personality traits is he's dumb as shit and he's Swedish. And the Swedish thing is somehow so important because it's brought up multiple times. It's not important to me. It's fucking insane. That's so like this guy. So then, you know, he starts acting a little. Well, this was weird to me too. He starts acting weird to Hana. These parents did not know how to act right frankly, to me. Like, they were acting like they were scared of her. And I was so like... So then he, start, he starts acting really cold towards Hana. 
And she, Suzette finally gets him to agree to send her to a child psychologist. So the psychologist, like you mentioned, mentions after her initial interview with Hannah. Um, and Hannah really likes the psychologist because she doesn't ask stupid questions. And she's just kind of like chilling. Yeah. Um, doesn't care that Hannah's not particularly verbal. Doesn't really push her into conversation. I think it's fucking funny that they didn't take her to a psychologist after she punched a literal baby. No. Whatever. So the psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever she is, brings up the fact that Hannah may be autistic. She also may just be a sociopath, which is something that you can essentially train someone to, to feel empathy. Empathy is a learned trait in anyone, really. A lot of people don't have so much empathy, like, right out the gate. No. So for someone to have so to be classified as a sociopath is not like, oh, you're a psychopath, like, such a bad thing. Empathy is generally a learned skill anyway. So you can teach someone, if you catch them early enough, empathy, like, to have empathy at all. Well, at this point in the novel, this is where you get that idea. And this is something that the author has been positing for most of the novel. Is, was Hannah born like this? Or was it the environment that Suzette created? Because Suzette is this helicopter slash neglectful kind of weird. And then Suzette herself has not been the best mom. It's very difficult because Suzette does the things a good mom would do. While ignoring the things but she that does, she shouldn't well, be ignoring. she also does the things that good mom would do, but, like, with resentment. Mm-hmm. So we get the idea of nature versus nurture. This is something that if you've ever taken any kind of, like, general psychology class, you would have heard of at least once. At least once. And the idea is that nature is this pre-wiring that you come with. Something that your brain chemicals, you know, where people are like, you know, you can be born with depression. Mm-hmm. Those things, there's or you chemicals. Can be born with certain addictions. Right. Those chemicals in your brain that are firing differently. You have the neurons that are in there, things that are just pre wired into you. Genetic influences, genetic inheritance. Nurture is taken as the influence of external factors home environment, your parents, were your parents, your biological parents, were you in foster care? A number of things. What kind of, like, health care did you receive? What kind of foods do you eat? And if you were to ask someone, like, what is, is it nature or is it nurture? The correct answer really is it's, a, it's both. Right. Because let's say you are born predisposed to an addiction. Mm-hmm. If you grow up in a family of people who imbibe in whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you are more likely to be exposed to that addiction. Right. But if you grow up with people who maybe they were genetically predisposed, but you know, they cut it off. Your maybe your great grandpa had an addiction to alcohol, but you know, grandpa understood that that could have been genetic. So he never touched it or he touched it casually. Dad did the same. And then he comes to you, mm-hmm. you know, you are probably less likely because of the, the household that you grew up in. There's probably not going to be alcohol in the house. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have things like that where it's like, yeah, you can be predisposed to these things, but at the same time, where are you growing up? What does it look like in your environment? And that also talks of culture, what is culturally acceptable, what is not, etc. And so because I think Hana is growing up in this, she already has this issue with empathy. Hana's growing up in this environment of like resentment. 
and mm-hmm. it's like well, and it's been resentment since she was like born yeah you get the idea that it's Suzette hasn't been fucking quiet about this resentment <laughs> but there's, there's even a <laughs> Okay, there's and a scene from when like Hannah's like a like a baby. She's like two or three, yeah. But and, like that's a baby. And like, not maybe like, as old as the baby she pushed in the head. Yeah. that's complaining about Hannah to Hannah's face, and again, Hannah's like a fucking genius, so she's understanding what her mom is saying to her. But also, I think that was supposed to kind of imitate the fact that like kids can pick up on. Mm-hmm. Your shitty vibes. And that's, you also get the idea that is from, like, the point from when Hannah was like, well, fuck this bitch. Because Suzette was basically, fuck you. Literally, Suzette is like, I actually hate being a mom, and this sucks, and you suck. And then wow. Hannah was like, okay, double f- middle fingers up to you. Which, it's kind of like, Suzette, she's a literal baby, and also... You also get the sense in the novel as it's going along that Suzette felt pressured into motherhood by herself um, because, you know, she has this Swedish husband who's such a catch, apparently. And oh even gosh. though he's literally got zero qualities. <laughs> and I don't remember Being an name. idiot is a quality, I think. So It's not a good one, but it is a it's quality. A quality. So you get the idea that Suzette, they get married and Suzette feels like she has to put out, but like not put out sexually, like put out with a family. And so and be like the best and be the ever. best mom ever. And we don't know why she has this idea because he didn't seem to express an interest one way or the other. We don't know any of his damn interests. I don't no, know. But she makes it seem man. like he was pretty casual, like, yeah, if you want to. Hold on. Let me let me finish this thought. What I, what I was going to say is if you bring up nature versus nurture in this novel. It's not just Hannah's nature. Yeah, her nature may be that she has no natural empathy. That did not mean shit, though. Really, Suzanne the nurturing, the nurturing part of that is that Hannah's growing up in this environment where Suzette doesn't have empathy towards her. Suzette has resentment towards her through fucking existing. So no wonder yeah. Hannah is the way she is. And here's the thing: this is why I think Suzette's a rancid ass bitch. Yes, but what this novel does well. Is it's not it's not doing the Madonna horror complex of motherhood where you're either an amazing mother or you're just a garbage bag person mother, right? Mm-hmm. It's doing it's showing the complexities of motherhood and the reason Suzette fails at motherhood is because she opts out of the parts that she needs to be there for and right. instead focuses on the wrong shit because she like cannot being so healthy because she can't control Hana. Right. But she can control what Hana eats. Right. She can't control, like, how she feels towards Hana. God knows why. But she can't control how... Clean the houses. Clean the houses. Yeah. I had a literal thought on the edge of my tongue, and I don't remember it, but it's fine. The climax of this novel. Well, what I was going to say... Oh, that's what I was going to say. I was like, also, Suzette had zero sense of fucking humor. Because and this is my thing. If she had any sense of humor, any lack of like bitterness, she might have been okay. But every time Hannah did anything, she was like, oh, I'm gonna go cry in the bathroom again. It was like, Suzette, get a backbone. This is a seven-year-old. If you're gonna beef with a seven-year-old, beef with a seven-year-old without crying about it. Oh my god, yeah. That was her big thing. She was like, I can't. 
<laughs> and it was like, damn, girl, she gets seven years old. Like, well, and I think the point of that was the author telling, you know, trying to tell us, like, she's chronically ill. She is. And she's not mentally good. So she's having to deal with Hana on top of not being good or feeling well. And so I get how, like, that played into it. But sometimes I was like, bitch, you just let it go. She punched a baby in the head. Let it go. She's looking for the attention. A lot of it was attention-based. A lot of it was. And a lot of it was also Suzette misunderstanding a lot of what Hana did. Because Hana was weird as fuck for no reason. Mm -hmm. Because she talked to one person. It was fucking Suzette. (laughs) Like, there was, Suzette took it, okay, this is where I was like, Suzette, like, you take everything so badly for what? Oh, she wanted Hana to be an artist, because she was an artist. Never mind whatever Hana wanted, she was a child, but whatever. (laughs) So she would buy her markers, and Hana treasured these markers. She thought they were beautiful. She thought they were beautiful, she would kiss them. But she would never, she would open them, them. and she wouldn't draw with them, and of course Suzette took this as rejection. (laughs) Because why wouldn't she? So anyways, not so feeling the, rejected by a seven-year-old. The climax of this novel. So there's one event that happens right before the climax of the novel where this is where Hana tr- doubles down on trying to kill Suzette. And basically what she does is she sets up this trap. It was actually pretty clever, but it wasn't that clever and Suzette needed to relax. She because was, she's a seven-year-old, so <laughs> it was like only okay of a plan. So what happens is Hana, Suzette goes to take a nap. Hana puts all these, like, push pins right by her bed, like, where you might swing out your legs and stuff down. And in doing so, closes the door, and then goes downstairs, has a little hammer with her, goes downstairs, knocks some shit down, breaks it so that Suzette would wake up. And so goes, the, goes and waits at Suzette's bedroom with a little Suzette to not the little hammer. <laughs> Waiting for Suzette to open the door so she can clobber her. Okay. With the hammer. This is a poor, poorly thought out plan. Bad plan. So because here's what Suzette happened. had her phone. Yeah. So here's what happened. And also, it's push pins. It's not nails. <laughs> so what happens is, oh my god. Okay, no. I'm going to complain in a second. So what happens is it exactly happens like that. She goes downstairs. She breaks like a dish or something. And it breaks, and Suzette wakes up, and she's like, fuck, Hana did something, let me go check on her, let me make sure she didn't fall, whatever. And so, swings her legs out, steps on these pushpins, is like, crippled, <laughs> the pushpins! Which I was like, they're pushpins! I mean, I think it would hurt like a bitch, I get it, but like, it's not three-inch nails, ma'am. What really she stigmated can- herself. <laughs> So then, <laughs> so, no, so then, but Hana's plan, and this is where I was like, this is seven-year-old logic. She, Hana's plan in her head, she was like, mom's going to open the door, but she's at the same time unable to walk. <laughs> so she Suzette just so rolled Suzette back into bed. literally goes, no, not doing that. Not going to open that door. So she literally just picks herself up, puts herself back in bed. And it's sitting Grabs there like, phone. oh, my feet. Which, again, I literally couldn't get over this because I was like, it's push pins, Suzette. They're literally not even a half an inch long. It's literally just going into the, like, the first layer of your skin. I just feel like your hatred for Suzette is really cool. But it doesn't like, make sense. Imagine if you put your feet on push pins. That shit would hurt. No. It was a bunch of push pins. But sh- that's not the part I have an issue with. Yes. What? In that what? moment, I understand it would hurt. Because... She does this. She takes pictures of her feet, takes pictures of the crime scene. Hana's, the Hana's still out there with, 
put the hammer no, like oh, no, she leaves, swings, right? no Hana swings open the door Suzette sees her with the hammer she's like what the fuck she's like get the hell out of her face and then she calls the dad and the dad's like I'm on my way which again I was like she's seven years old but okay like, just wait in your room just lock the door she did yeah, but then she was like, I'm, I feel unsafe. I was like, she doesn't have another plan. <laughs> she doesn't have a lockpick cake. Literally. Like, I was like, like she didn't have an axe. It was a hammer. I mean, yeah, a like, hammer. literally, you could have just punted her <laughs> if you felt so unsafe. That's what I was also so like, she's seven. She's okay. small. Like. So then, whatever. So the dad comes, he's like, oh, fuck no. So from then on, the dynamic changes between Hana and the dad, and the dad's basically like doing caretaking. But wants nothing to do with her. It's weird. He really like he really did her. like fuck you. So then this is where it's decided. They call the psychologist. She's like, we do have a place where she can go. It's going to be minimum to no contact with you guys because obviously the problem she has is with Suzette. Mm-hmm. So in order for her to get better, she cannot see you. And so Suzette's like, fuck yeah, let's send her. And it's kind of like a quasi boarding school slash aggressive behavior thing. Mm-hmm. So in this, this is when we're approaching the climax because they're going to send her on like a Monday. This is now Friday. Okay. And so they have to go over the weekend. Now this is the part with the push pins that pissed me off the okay, least. And hear me out. Okay. Suzette spends the weekend limping around with in crutches. socks and crutches. And this is what pit- it was push pins, girlfriend. You can walk. Put on some fucking slippers. No. Okay, I was loving her. No, this my is- feet. Okay, but and this the whole her being on crutches things. Not her husband carrying her around the whole time. And then it becomes clear like Hana's like shit, like I lost this battle. My dad's acting weird with me. Um, he's obviously siding with my mom. Do I think it was weird as fuck that the husband really treated Hana like a serial killer? Yes. Yes. Because Not again, having beef with the seven year old. So because again, I think by then it's pretty clear that there's something wrong with her. The like psychologist literally said, "Oh no, oh my god." This man went from being in denial to like wholeheartedly being okay with shunning his daughter. No big deal. No big. Just like a man. No, nothing. Whatever. Climax. Okay. This the Swedish thing comes up again. Okay, they're having they're some a, kind of Swedish some kind of holiday. I don't remember the name of it. I don't have the book next to me, so just like it's a Swedish holiday that we probably around bonfires. Okay, so the dad's like, okay, we're gonna do a bonfire, and we're gonna get rid of your witch persona. You're gonna burn like this collage you made. Because for some reason, also the dad has blamed everything on this witch persona. He was like, it's because of the witch thing, right? That's why she's (laughs) bad. It's like no. So she's he's like, bad. we're gonna get rid of this witch persona and then you're gonna be nice to mom. And she's like, sure. She's so still not verbal. Okay, at and this, this point. is like another seven year old plan. It's him, Suzette, and her. Like, imagine only having three people in your family, no friends, and that's who you're hanging out with all the time. Hell oh no. my god. Okay. They're doing the bonfire. It seems like it's going really well. Suzette's S- limping around. <laughs> Suzette. She's so annoying. It was pushpins, bitch. <laughs> okay, okay. And at one point, it's a bonfire, so it's a it's a real fire. It's a big one, ish. It's really How do you know? They he talked about building it. It was like a bigger bonfire. Anyways, okay. 
He bought wood. The gigantic bonfire. <laughs> I didn't say it was like <laughs> And at one point, you know, the dad leaves Suzette and Hannah alone by the bonfire. And this is Hannah's really shitty plan. Hannah goes to fake like she's going to throw her throw witch her persona put picture in collage the fire. in the fire. Um, and she like sets it on fire and throws it at Suzette. <laughs> and Suzette, who clearly can't walk at all she without her walk. crutches, without is like fucking pushing. Is like taken <laughs> aback and is like, "What the fuck?" She gets she starts getting she has flakes of burning paper on her. Okay, and okay, then Hana grabs then Hana grabs a stick from the bonfire. Mind you, this is a seven-year-old, but Suzette apparently couldn't fend her <laughs> off with her pushpin feet. <laughs> Hana takes this burning stick from the bonfire thing, sticks it in Suzette's cheek. Suzette That shit would have hurt though. Suzette Okay, but like there was no way she could have pushed her arm in front of her at all. Bitch, I don't know. She has two working arms and she didn't use them at all. She doesn't have two working feet. And for what? There was no sense of urgency. You couldn't like push past the pain for one second to stand up and throw your seven year old away. Or literally just hit her with a chair. <laughs> WWE this bitch. What do you mean? I just couldn't get over the fact. That no. she just felt so helpless and this against is, the seven-year-old. this is our critique of the book, is that Suzette's a bitch. <laughs> She's a literal Betsy-ass really bitch. I really feel like she was like... <laughs> the first I <laughs> started attacking her, and she really was like, I guess this is how Literally, I Literally, if a seven-year-old threw a stick at me, I'd be like, what the fuck, and throw it back at them. Percy, you get, like, abused by seven-year-olds on the daily at your job. And sometimes we have to put them in, like, softer strains. Would you be able to handle Hannah? I would have drop-kicked her already. <laughs> you, I already told you. As soon as she whipped out that witch voice, drop-kick. She wouldn't have ever done another one. <laughs> Suzette's problem is that she didn't kick her at one point. Like, violence, resort to violence. Suzette's problem was all of her aggression was like passive. feet. She was passive aggressive to a seven year old. I was like, you need to just be, you just need be to aggressive, like, lightly bully her. Square up on, square up on Hana. She won't fuck with you. <laughs> so, anyway, so Suzette can't push past the pain. And she's getting. <laughs> so the dad hears Suzette yelling. Comes out for some reason, picks up Hana and, and literally just tosses her. Tosses her like, which is what Suzette probably could have done if she tried harder. Fifteen feet into the yard, and so like in this and, process, okay, it's, it's not laughing. <laughs> it's really because it is sad because then Hana breaks her wrist. Well, she breaks her because the dad tossed her for no reason. <laughs> literally, why did nobody just push her down? <laughs> Nobody thought. Let me just. She's seven years old. <laughs> I'm so scared of this. It's literally. So he tosses her fifty yards. Shit, like, say, hey, can you 
stop that. No, Suzette they didn't use any verbal commands. I'm going to be really passive aggressive or yell at you like a crazy person. <laughs> Literally. So Hannah's wrist gets broken. So in this, they're like, we need to go to the hospital um, and for her wrist. And then for Suzette's oh, they were burns. already going to the hospital for <laughs> Suzette's cheekburn, but also the few embers she got on her plates. That was so drama. And so she then wearing pants. Suzette turns to Hannah. The dad's out of the room, of course, because Suzette's a fake-ass bitch. Yeah, she is. Turns to Hannah and is like, "Doesn't it doesn't feel good, does it? And you're like, Suzette... You're beefing with a seven-year-old again. <laughs> Not you. Like, throwing it in a seven-year-old's face that her wrist is broken. Also, not you being like, I won the man. Girlfriend, he was not a prize. So, Ben. <laughs> he was literally, like, a background character. He was, like, the bronze medal of this book, frankly. So, they, so then the dad comes back and Suzette all of a sudden, and this is why Hannah hates her, and I get it. Suzette turns back to I think Hannah's wrist is broken. Oh no. Oh no. And then you're like, shut the fuck up, Suzette. That's what I hated. I literally hated her. Oh yeah. I, I, I think like, you were supposed to. I think you were supposed to. I think it was set up for you to be like, oh, now we're seeing what Hannah sees. Right. But in so emphatically, and why Hannah thinks her mom is such a fake ass bitch. So because she is. To wrap it up, the novel ends with them dropping Hannah off at this like boarding school for aggressive And members. you know, at first the dad, also being the fake ass bitch, is like, I can't believe we're leaving her here. In the school recommends six months with no contact. But it can go from anywhere from six months to three years. Uh, so Suzette's seeing the possibilities of like, let's just keep her I'm gonna recapture my life. Let's and just keep her in there. When you get to the end, and this is the end end, and frankly, this was the most horrifying part of it. It wasn't even scary. Hana calls them because you're they can initiate contact. Hana really wants to talk to them. She's crying. She's having a hard night. This is a couple weeks down the line. You get the idea of it. And she calls them. She's legitimately panicking. And Suzette answers. And they're just like, oh, Hana, are you okay? Not really giving shit. Was like, well, you have to stay there. And the dad's on the phone as well. He's like, no, you have to stay there. And what does she say to them? Do you miss me? Yeah, like, don't you want me back? Like, don't you miss me? Don't you miss me? And instead of answering her, Suzette's like whispering to her husband, just let her go. And they hang up the fucking phone. And the whole time, Suzette's like, he's crying now. But I'll straddle him soon. Yeah, she used the word straddle. It was real yeah, gross. It was real nasty. I'll straddle him soon and I'll I'll make him forget about how he feels now. Like it was real sexy. And didn't she like insinuate they were gonna make another baby? What? Wasn't that part of it? Like they she insinuated like we're gonna do something better. No, just that they were going to live their lives as, like, a couple that never had a kid. Literally, fuck Suzette. That's when she was also the secondary villain. And the husband, like, they hang up the phone on Hana, and that's when Hana, and this is the actual end, vows that she's going to be as good as she possibly can. When she gets out, she's going to fuck them all up. You know what? Good for her. Good for her. Here's my thing. Okay, and this is Suzette's whole thing, and this is why she does what she does to Hana, which is basically abandon her. Mm-hmm. You can't judge... You can't be judged for something if you don't participate in something. She can't be judged for how good a mother she is if she's not a mom. Right. That's Suzette's whole thing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I am judging her. 
Oh, yeah. So, I think if you are someone with a strained relationship with your mom, this is a good read. You can pick it up and enjoy it. It's heartbreaking. It, it is, is really sad. It is horrifying in that it Even would be we horrifying to have twenty minutes. Oh my God. It would be horrifying to have your seven year old trying to kill you. Right. Well, maybe don't start beef with your seven year old. Yeah. True. Thinking about that. That's fair enough. But it is hair and that is why it's a horror story. But at the end of the day, it's also a very compelling story of mother daughter relationships mm-hmm. and how and, complex they can be. Yeah. And I think, I also think it does a really cool job of talking about disability. Also of, like, generational traumas. Yeah. And just it's chronic, a, like, that chronic, the, the idea chronic of, like, illness, chronic illness. Invisible disabilities. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought there was just so many interesting elements to it. Um, it's so good. I don't know. I have... I think if you're looking for, if you read this and you like it, I think a similar book to this is Night Bitch. I find that one to be more hopeful, though. It's a little arty, though. And it's, it's not similar in the style at all. No, it is similar in just, it's talking about, like, motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, from, and like, a more feminist perspective. Yeah, the idea of losing yourself, which was touched on a lot in this novel. I do like that even though you do feel bad for Suzette in that way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't absolve her of being a fucking villain. Yeah, she's a villain. But anyways, thanks for listening to our analysis of it. We do hope that you pick it up. It's available. It's an older book. So you can find it on Thrift Books. You can also find it on Amazon. Yeah, I think I bought it for like five bucks. It's, it's, you can find it on a library. It's really It was written in the 2010s. Yeah, like 2012 or something like that. But it is old enough that it's made its way to thrift books. Yeah, for cheap. On our next podcast, I'm thinking we could review another tenuous mother novel. This is one that we are actually getting August 9th. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, By Jeanette Jeanette McCurdy from iCarly. She wrote a memoir called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And if you don't know anything about celebrity news, she apparently had a very tenuous relationship with her mom. Her mom was very, very abusive show, show, what is it? Show mom? Yeah, like a show mom. And from what I understand, like financially abusive, Mm -hmm. things like that. And so we are going to be reviewing that one next, which I just decided right now. And that will be coming sometime in August. But we thank you so much for listening to us and being patient with us because we had to re-record this bitch um, because we were both really cranky last time and it wasn't fun. No. But no thank you and we appreciate it. Thank and you. see you in August. Bye.